Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, Kate Burdett talks with the Director of Marketing for the Columbus Sports Commission about events and developments they're working on. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Angela Ann has a follow-up to Memorial Day with information about help for veterans with traumatic brain injuries. Tracy Townsend talks with Columbus Police Chief Elaine Bryant. And Angela visits a huge Asian garden in Knox County that many people are unaware of. And in about 50 minutes, I'll talk with a doctor about kidney disease. First up on Columbus Perspective, here's Kate Burdett. Jesse Giorzi is with the Columbus Sports Commission, and there are a lot of things happening in the world of sports in Columbus. How are you doing, Jesse? Doing awesome. Super excited for a summer full of uh, events, both uh, hosted ones as well as a couple of our own events like Community Cup and Community Camp. And that is exactly why we got in touch with you. Let's start with the Community Cup 2023. For those who've never heard of this, what is it and, and how did it come about here in Central Ohio? Yeah, we, we've thrown a few different short descriptions around. Uh, one of the popular ones is like a field day for adults. Uh, I think it's uh, another one we've said it's a chance to meet the community and then beat the community. But, you know, in short, Columbus companies or, or companies that have their headquarters in Columbus uh, register their teams and sign up their staffs or their sta- their staffs sign up as athletes. And uh, there's they compete in 14 sports uh, events across one day. It's July 28th, uh, Friday, summer Friday at Fortress Obeth, which is just about 15 minutes from downtown. And we like to say that, you know, the, the, the variety of sports gives a, a chance for everybody to compete, whether your, your speed is, is hot and sweaty or slow and steady. There's a, a 5K, a one-mile walk, cornhole, frisbee toss, new this year is volleyball, football toss. You have the opportunity to throw footballs at a big Dr. Pepper bottle, just like you see in, in college football games all the time. So you, when you're sitting on your couch, you're like, I could do a better job than that person. Well, now it's time for you to prove it at the uh, Community Cup. So um, it's a super fun way to, to take team building outside. Uh, last year, we had more than 1,000 registered athletes and 30-plus companies, and this year we're trying to – bump both of those numbers up because the it's definitely a more more the merrier um there's four divisions so you have your larger companies competing against your larger companies just like you you would having your larger schools competing against other large schools in high school and college athletics as well as you know divisions for smaller companies but um it's a it's a ton of fun it's uh it's just really one one fun day to to play hooky from work and play basketball and play football and play frisbee and play cornhole and and hang out with colleagues. I was going to say, what a great way to get out of the office on a nice summer day, Friday, July 28th, the annual community cup in Columbus. Um, How many teams do you have signed up so far for 2023's event at this point? Yeah, we're in the mid twenties, I think uh, 25 or 26 with, uh, with a few more, I think that we'll be, we close to securing soon. Like I said, it's it's grown nearly almost every year. Obviously, it's uh, we had a little bit of a blip um, with the with the COVID year and a hybrid event, but this will be the sixth year. Last year, we had the most ever um, registered athletes at, at over a thousand. We're hoping to, to duplicate that this year. Um, teams can sign up at community.columbusports.org and uh, and learn more about all the different sports and, and ways to get involved. And and truly, it is a lot of fun because even if you're not competing, there's a, a tailgate zone where 
you have a nice 10 by 10 shaded tent. You can just kind of hang out and, uh, and be the designated high five giver, uh, when your teammates come back from competing. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of different fun ways for people to hang out and, and we're, we're pushing for, you know, 40 plus companies to, to be out there this year. And really it's everybody. I mean, you've got some of the, the, the great Columbus companies that have provided teams out there before, you know, including nationwide and Ohio state athletics and the crew and blue jackets and plant Moran and fifth third, as well as, um, companies with large bases here, uh, like hometown ticketing, like Amazon, um, headquarter or uh, Amazon distribution center. So it's, it's really a great way to, to, to connect also with, with other professionals and, uh, and do a little networking as well, but you don't have to, you don't have to network. You can just come have a couple of cold drinks and, uh, and play sports until, uh, until you need to take a break. It sounds like a real win-win for companies who want to encourage that team building and that camaraderie among their employees and for employees, like I said, who want to get out of the office for a few minutes. But also that networking aspect is, is not a bad thing. Now, you've kind of touched on this, but I just want to make sure. Do you, do you have to be athletic to participate or is this open to pretty much anyone? Truthfully, it's open to anyone because there's other components. The the main piece of it is the is the sports events throughout the day. But um, you know, you don't have to to be in in marathon running shape to to throw cornhole bags, you know, or to or to do a mile walk. So there's really you know something for everybody. There are definitely ones that are going to get the the heart rate pumping a little bit more, like like the five k. Um, uh, or home run derby, but there's other ones that, that are, are definitely a little bit more, more casual and chill. So we really try to make it open for everybody, but you know, outside of that, there's other pieces of the competition. There's, um, you know, raising, raising money and getting food donated as part of the charity challenge is a way to get points before the competition starts. Um, and there is also, uh, you know, on the event day, team captains often are the people that are that are terrific team leaders and organizing people and saying, okay, hey, Steve and Mary, you got to be at, at this sport at this time. Uh, you know, Joe and Devante, you've got to be at that sport at that time. So, um, you know, often captains compete, but also captains can just be involved in, in organizing things. There's there's the, the the party planners, the people that are getting the the food ordered and and drinks ordered for the tailgate, and there's a a t-shirt contest as well that. Uh, requires no athleticism whatsoever to design a cool t-shirt and you get also bonus points if you have the the best community cup uh, t-shirt so really a bunch of different ways uh, for folks to get involved regardless of uh, of your level of interest or skill in, uh, in being athletic and jesse you mentioned the charity challenge who does this benefit uh, that is going to benefit uh, groups like the Columbus Foundation, uh, Mid Ohio Food Collective uh, are a couple that are that are on board from last year, and, and the Columbus Foundation is the the title sponsor of the event and a huge huge supporter of uh, of all the stuff that we do, both of these community events as as well overall at the Sports Commission and and the Columbus Foundation, you know, is is going to find uh, find some great places to uh, to put those dollars towards. Fantastic. It's the annual Community Cup, business versus business. It's coming up on Friday, July 28th. Still plenty of time to get involved. So managers, if you're listening, employees, if you're listening and you're thinking, this is a great idea, I want to tell my manager about this. Jesse, give us that website again where we can get registered. Yeah, columbussports.org slash cup. My, my number one thing is it's team building that your team is actually going to be excited about doing, right? It's not trust falls and uh, and 
you know, organizing each other by birthdays without talking. It's, it's super fun <laughs> stuff that you're going to have uh, tremendous connections on and, and people are going to be talking about, uh, you know, around the break room for, uh, for months to come and, and still another opportunity to do in-person connecting with your colleagues as, as so many companies have gone, you know, full or hybrid uh, remote. It's a great way to, to be together. Absolutely. It sounds fantastic. And it's just one of the many things coming up in these summer months here in Columbus for the sports minded. Jesse Giorzi is with the Columbus Sports Commission here in Columbus, Ohio. There are a lot of events going on all summer long that involve athletics, sports and We would be remiss if we didn't talk about the little ones. There are a couple of opportunities coming up in Central Ohio for community youth camps. Jesse, tell us more about what these opportunities involve and when they're happening. Yeah, uh, we've got our community youth camp, uh, which is presented by the Columbus Foundation, uh, is back for year three. Uh, We're doing two sessions, June 20th through 23rd and 26th through 29th. Both of those are at uh, Kip Columbus, which is just a phenomenal facility to uh, to run these events at. Um, but the goal of the the community youth camp is is to to reach everybody. Uh, not every kid's going to play sports throughout their their youth or adult career, but every kid deserves a chance, and that's really the the genesis of why we decided to to come up with this community camp a couple years ago. We wanted to we see the power and the joy and and the the, the lessons that sports teach, and we wanted to. Um, you know, do our part to help more Columbus kids playing sports. Uh, and it's it's what I call a super sports sampling camp because, you know, each year there's going to be a, a dozen plus sports that kids are going to learn the basics for and play over over four days of camp. It's it's a it's a really terrific way to introduce Columbus kids to sports they may have not thought about before. Right. Everybody, you know, um, uh, thinks about basketball and baseball and, and some of those sports. And of course, we're going to give the opportunity to to play those. But you know, some things we've done before is uh, has introduced pickleball and tennis and rowing and uh, and volleyball and some different sports that you don't think about when you think about as much of, of youth sports. Um, we've done even, I think, yoga and uh, and combat sports, karate and jujitsu and things like that. So it's a great way to get Columbus kids, regardless of their, um, you know, income level or, or, or family's uh, position. Um, to to have the opportunity to play because, you know, our goal is 50% of kids on scholarship. And in the first two years, it's been a lot closer to 80 or 85%. So it's a chance for kids to play, learn a bunch of different sports and, and, you know, remove those barriers to, to remove financial barriers to play. You, you mentioned, yeah, scholarships. So those are available for kids who can't afford out of pocket to attend the camp What's that process like for parents? Is it a simple online application form or how does that work? Yeah. So uh, at columbussports.org slash camp, we'll take you to the, the full camp website and uh, that'll have more details on on, on the sports and, and how to register. Whether you're looking for a scholarship or uh, or a standard paid registration, still a great value at, at, uh, at $250 um, for a week's worth of activities and and uh, food included and shirt and water bottle and those kind of things. But um, either way, scholarship or standard application, you'll head to columbussports.org slash camp. Um, to uh, to get that, we review the the um, scholarships on an individual basis. So it, it'll take a couple of days for our team to to review that and get back to you. But um, and like I said, our, our goal has been fifty percent scholarship to make sure that we're giving kids the, the chance to play uh, to play sports and, and learn about all the the awesome things that sports can do for you. Um, but uh, it's been you know eighty plus percent of of scholarship. You know, thanks in large part to the Columbus Foundation and and all of our other partners. 
um, both individuals and companies that have supported us uh, in the last few years of camp. It seems like every year we're reminded earlier and earlier in the spring or even late winter. It's coming up on camp season. Be sure to get the kids registered. The first session of the community youth camp is June 20th through the 23rd. Both at Kip Columbus this year, which is a really, again, a tremendous facility. And we're thankful they've been, they've been able to be a, the host. Um, and we expanded to two sessions last year. Um, they hosted one and, and CPRD hosted the other at Berliner Sports Park. This year, the schedule worked out that both of them are going to be at KIPP. So um, it's really awesome. And, and and before I was here, I was at USA Football. And one of the things we preached there was as the, as the official governing body of youth football or football was that it's important for kids to play multiple sports and not specialize, you know, in anything until they reach their teen years. So um, for kids 6 to 12 to have the chance to play a dozen 14 sports over uh, over the week is is a really cool opportunity. And, and I think that's the biggest benefit uh, and, and uniqueness about our camp is um, you're going to get a little bit of everything. You know, uh, if you like the opportunity to, to play, um, you know, ultimate Frisbee or if you, learn, you enjoy track and field great. We'll, we'll share some resources after camp on how you can continue playing and find ways to play um, in the community after camp full time. If you didn't like it, guess what? It's only lasted an hour. We're on to another sport, you know, later that morning um, before we take a, a break for lunch for some life lesson activities and then two more sports in the afternoon. So really, really super sport sampling. And, and you're going to learn so many, um, so many new skills and introduce kids to, um, to different sports. They may have not had the opportunity to play before. It really is all about that exposure, Jesse, and you kind of touched on it, the life lessons. So it's not just the out there, the physical activity, which is so important for kids for both their physical and mental health. But these life lessons that tie in with the sport, with the training, with the competition, do you notice a difference in kids after they attend these three days? Do you see those results immediately? Yeah, I think, you know, having having had the opportunity to, to be at both weeks of camp last year and, and seeing it and, and previously coaching baseball myself, um, it was it was neat to see, you know, you're not going to get those same kind of huge developmental leaps, um, you know, in an, in an hour, hour and a half of playing a specific sport. But it is cool just in that hour to see, you know, going through a rotation, for example, of, of kids who have never picked up a field hockey stick before and then watching them go, having no idea what the stick is, how to hold it, what to do with it. So then, you know, three or four rotations through a drill, then you see, okay, now they're starting to, to pick up on the basics. I think the even cooler part is seeing kids that have no experience, you know, or have never picked up the, the equipment used in some of these sports having that natural talent for it. And it's like, that's what the coolest thing about, about this camp is, is, is like this kid may have never picked up a hockey stick or an ultimate Frisbee or thought about running track, but they've clearly got some natural talent, um, you know, in that and, and could, could potentially have an opportunity to play it. So, you know, the, the development and, and seeing all the different skills, usually we, we end the last day with a little bit of a, I don't know if obstacle course is the right word, but like, Last year, we went onto the baseball fields at Berliner Sports Park and softball fields and, and had like you had to swing a bat, run to first base, throw a football, dribble a, a, a field hockey ball to second base, uh, you know, do a basketball move. So it's like it's kind of fun to see all the different kinds of skills and, and put them together and see which kids are, are picking up on the most throughout the week. But, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just it, it, is seeing the growth, not only in the in the skills and the sports, 
but you know, seeing some kids that may have been more their parents signing them up attitude in the beginning of the week. And I didn't want to be here to by the end of day one or end of day two, or for sure by the end of the week of just like, now I don't want to leave. Uh, what do you mean camp's over? So um, seeing that growth, you know, the emotional uh, growth has, has been awesome too. That sounds super cool. It's the Columbus Community Youth Sports Camp. There's actually two sessions coming up near the end of June. And all you have to do is go to columbusports.org. All of the information is there. Search Community Youth Camp. Jesse Giorzi with the Columbus Sports Commission is with us. There are a lot of sports events happening. We, of course, have a little bit of a thing with college football. We've got some professional sports teams as well. And a new professional sports team is coming to Columbus. Jesse, tell me all about this. Yeah, we're thrilled to have another um, another pro team here, specifically in, in the women's sports realm in the Columbus Fury. They're going to start uh, playing in the all-new Pro Volleyball Federation at Nationwide Arena February 2024. So still some uh, some details and very important details to be ironed out on, on the specific schedule and roster and those kind of things. But, um, you know, it's another another big volleyball story in, in Columbus. You know, I think that uh, not a lot of people realize how big volleyball is in Columbus and and further how big Columbus is in volleyball. Um, You know, we like to say that the the game is built here, like literally uh, sports imports in Hilliard is the leading volleyball equipment provider in the whole country, their equipment. And and by that, I mean like the nets and stanchions is used by more than 90% of all NCAA D one programs and, and tons of D you know, lower level college programs and lots of high school and club programs as well. And most of that stuff is manufactured right here in greater Columbus. Uh, the talent that, that Columbus and, and, and Ohio produces is incredible. The Ohio Valley region is USA volleyball's largest region with more than 25,000 members that covers Ohio, West Virginia and Western PA. But, um, OVR is hosting a lot of their championship events and, and huge tournaments across um, boys, girls, adults, men's, women's, and and, and the like um, at the Greater Columbus Convention Center. Including this month, they've had a, a ton of uh, a ton of big events there. The the girls uh, U18s were just there, but 190 clubs, 2,000 teams. It's it's Columbus is huge in, in the club volleyball world as well. Champions are crowned in Columbus as well. Since 2000, we've hosted about 20 national volleyball events. That includes some of the USA Volleyball's um, opens and, and, and national championship tournaments. Uh, that includes two NCAA Women's D1 uh, championship events, most recently in 2021 when we broke the record for the, the biggest crowd ever in, in women's college volleyball history at Nationwide Arena. So adding a professional team to the ranks means we've got it covered from youth to high school to college to the pros. Um, and, uh, and Columbus is really, uh, really just loves volleyball and, and volleyball is, um, is, is growing already big and continuing to grow in Columbus. So with this being an all new sort of league, I guess it's not even something you could say for sure, but is, is recruitment for players happening at the college level? Are there is, I mean, you mentioned the community in the Ohio Valley of, of, avid volleyball players. I'm so curious about, you know, who's out there that is the talent that's going to be brought into this. Will there be European players or are these all going to be American volleyball players? Yeah. Too soon to tell. I think I I would imagine that, you know, you definitely uh, want to, you know, have, uh, have some, uh, some local talent as well. You know, you you see that a lot. Um, It's, it's a source of pride for fans when you have a a homegrown talent that's, uh, that's playing, 
um, in there. You know, you think about that. You, you see that a lot with um, with uh, with soccer, but also with the Blue Jackets. It was a big source of pride for the Blue Jackets as an organization, as well as um, as a, as as a community. Where there was a I think a game earlier this year where there were three local. Uh, Columbus kids um, in the lineup uh, all on the same night. Um, I think that was, that's a cool thing. So that you have that local talent that's playing there. And it also, you know, that's a, that's a great way to, to help start um, getting some of that interest in, and being like, man, I really enjoyed watching this person play at the high school level or the club level, um, or, you know, even at the, at the, at the college level, if they played at Ohio state, whether they're from here or not, you know, so hopefully a lot of that talent is, is has some local connections and, and gives people a reason to go check it out because, um, I, although this league of pro volleyball is, is brand new to, uh, in general, so brand new to the U S uh, you know, watching high level volleyball in person is, is really an incredible, um, opportunity, whether that's the, the college level, if you're catching a, an Ohio state game, men's or women's at the Covelli center, or if it comes to Columbus Fury at, at nationwide arena, it's really, really neat to, to get to that level and just seeing the reaction time and athleticism and, just literally how many times they're jumping, whether they're hitting the ball or not, um, is is a crazy mountain and really need to see live. It really is impressive. And this coming February, you will be able to see it in person at Nationwide Arena in Columbus as the Columbus Fury joining the professional sports team club here in Columbus, Ohio. And we are so excited about it. Columbus, Ohio loves their sports and I can't wait to see what's coming next. Jesse Giorzi from the Columbus Sports Commission. I thank you so much. I could talk to you all day. You're full of information and really interesting facts about the Columbus sports scene. So thanks so much for spending some time with us. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and keep your finger on the pulse of what's going on in, in Columbus sports at, at our website, ColumbusSports.org. We've got, um, you know, good stories on there as well as the the, the master event calendar of, of all things uh, Columbus sports. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants, organizations that wish to receive our vacancies. Vacancy information should send the request to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com, and thanks for listening. Times of transition, whether from a sad event or a joyful one, can leave us feeling adrift. Social connections are an important part of a healthy life. Being isolated and lonely can be harmful to your health. It can lead to high blood pressure, a greater risk of heart disease, and early-onset dementia. So it's important to build and maintain connections to people, not just in your family, but others whose relationships bring meaning to your life. Trying a new hobby, volunteering, exercising, even using your phone or other device to stay in touch with others. All these can be great ways to keep up your social connections and your physical and mental well-being. Visit connecttoeffect.org to see if you're at risk of social isolation and find ways to get connected. This message is brought to you by United Healthcare and AARP Foundation. Green, green, green. It's our home, it's our dream. For a life that's healthy and clean, make it green, green, green. 
said making it green is making sure the air in your home is healthy for your family to breathe. Make sure you test your home for radon. It's easy. Just call 866-730-GREEN. Make it green, green, green. A message from the US EPA. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. We are pausing to pay tribute to our fallen veterans. We're also reflecting on the pain facing heroes who returned home with another battle, a pain that is invisible to the naked eye. Also ahead on Face the State, Tendivy's Tracy Townsend speaks with Columbus Police Chief Elaine Bryant and a proposal to allow younger officers on patrol. I don't think that the age is necessarily the sticking point. I think it's the maturity. What the chief says is her first plan of action if that proposed state law passes. And later... So a guy from Iowa starts a window company, ends up in Ohio, and builds this beautiful Asian garden for the world to see. Is that your legacy? Well, it looks like that's what it's going to be, and you know what? I don't think it's a bad thing at all. walk through this Asian garden will seem like you are halfway around the world, but it's right here in central Ohio. Face the State starts now. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Angela Ann. From their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. We pause to reflect, honor, and remember our nation's heroes, our military men and women who gave their lives for freedom. We want to thank you for joining us on Face the State. I'm Angela Ann, in for Tracy Townsend today. Veterans are remembering the ones who never made it home, but there is now a new mission to support those who are still facing struggles far from the battlefield. This is a film about traumatic brain injuries among veterans who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan and the struggles they face for injuries we can't see. And unfortunately, what we're seeing all too often is veterans taking their lives because of battling this and not being able to get the help that they deserve. Chad Jenkins served four tours in the global war on terrorism. He says that's why he supports the film Brainstorms, created by the Resurrecting Lives Foundation. The Dublin-based group advocates better access to treatment for veterans who suffer from TBI. We're talking about four times more veterans have lost their lives at their own hands back on the home front than what we have lost in combat. We've lost over 30,000 veterans to suicide since 9-11-2001. Jenkins feels the best way to honor those who died in service is to break the stigma around mental health, especially for veterans trying to treat their invisible injury on their own. And he says it starts with flipping the script on what it means to take that first step. Sitting on the traumas of combat that I had to go through and sit on that in therapy and going through cognitive processing therapy was the hardest thing I've ever had to do mentally, emotionally, physically, or spiritually. So we have to talk about that. We do have to have it be a call to action to actually go do the work to better ourselves so we can better our families, better our home front, better our next generation. And there are studies that show traumatic brain injury among veterans and PTSD is leading to more suicides among our active duty service members. 40% higher since 2015. If you or someone you know is in a crisis or having thoughts of suicide, call 988. That is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, and it is available 24-7. 
As many as 20% of military veterans from the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan suffer from PTSD. As CBS chief medical correspondent Dr. John LePook shows us, there is a potential game-changing drug that could help an even wider range of patients. Devastated by PTSD, in 2006, Jonathan Lubecki tried to take his own life. I put a loaded 9mm to my temple and I pulled the trigger. That was the first suicide attempt that I had. I've had a total of five. After his last attempt in 2013, the Iraq war veteran began participating in a clinical trial of MDMA, the active ingredient in ecstasy, during sessions with specially trained therapists. I don't know, I feel normal again, if that makes any sense. My world changed. This therapy is the sole reason that my son has a father instead of a folded flag. Lubecki says he's now living a life free from PTSD. MDMA mutes the amygdala, which is your, your fight or flight response. Your emotions stay in this happy medium range that they need to be in for the therapy to work. Research organization MAPS-PBC first began clinical trials of MDMA in 2003. It announced the findings of its latest trials this month. 88% of the people had clinically significant decrease in their PTSD symptoms. 67% of them lost their PTSD diagnosis. MAPS-PBC plans to submit its results for publication and, later this year, ask the FDA to approve MDMA as a prescription medication in combination with therapy. So if somebody says to you, you're talking about ecstasy, a recreational drug, what would you say? It's being administered in a very particular manner by people that are quite well trained. We are not suggesting that anyone try this on their own at home in their living room. No flashbacks, no panic attacks, no anxiety. Lubecki is finishing his third humanitarian aid mission to Ukraine. Everyone said PTSD can't be cured. I'm living proof that that isn't true. Dr. John LaPook, CBS News, New York. Studies are also being conducted by the governments of Canada and Israel. Remember that 988 crisis hotline is always on, and there's a specific line for veterans. Just press 1. You don't have to be enrolled in VA benefits or health care to connect. And loved ones of veterans can also get support, whether it's in person or through an online chat. You can find out more on 10tv.com slash featured links. An exclusive one-on-one -on -one this past week gave us more insight into how the capital city's police chief plans to tackle the ongoing issue of gun violence. Tracy Townsend sat down with Chief Elaine Bryant to talk about the added security measures in the short north. They also discussed the controversial legislation at the State House that would lower the minimum age to be a police officer from 21 to 18. I come from a state where 18 was the age, Michigan. So um, I'm familiar with 18-year-olds. What I will say is this. You can serve in the military at 18. You can fight for your country at 18. Uh, I don't think that the age is necessarily the sticking point. I think it's the maturity. So what's great is even if they lower the age, we as a division or any agency for that matter still have the ability to do an assessment and make the determination on whether or not that person is mature enough to be able to uh, handle this job because you have some 25-year-olds that aren't mature enough. I mean, you, you, we all know, you know, you have some 18-year-olds that have been responsible their entire life, that have grown up, you know, uh, raising their brothers and sisters that are really in a different mindset. So I think you have to look at everything on a case-by-case -case basis. And so 
if the if the law passes, what we will make sure that we do as a division is still do our assessment and make sure that they're ready. Now, the sponsor behind the bill cites police shortages across the state as the reason behind the proposed law. Here's a check of where that legislation stands this morning. It is currently being reviewed in a House committee. Lawmakers, we spoke with State Representative Mary Lightbody of Ohio House District 4. She represents New Albany, Gahanna, and Westerville areas. I think that Ohio has a number of, of good programs that help the folks who are at the bottom end of our income. We're working to increase the, the minimum wage, for example. We're working to try to equalize the pay for women as for men. Um, I think that some of the programs the state has, certainly for Medicaid with the Medicaid buy-in, uh, the federally funded child care, we've increased that, So, which is a workforce issue. Uh, I think we're doing everything we can to help people you know, get trained for some of the new higher-paying jobs that are going to be available across Central Ohio and, and increasingly in other areas of Ohio. I think we're all working and concerned about inflation. And, you know, that's a supply and demand issue. So if we can sort of be calm about that and not, you know, rush out and, you know, clear the shelves of toilet paper or, you know, water bottles or whatever, you know, when there's sort of an issue that people like rush out, oh, no, we can just be relaxed about it. Um, I think that Ohioans in general um, are doing the best they can. Well, Ohio's two U.S. senators spent time in central Ohio to talk about some major issues. Senator J.D. Vance focused on the debt ceiling debate. There are spending cuts in that legislation that every single one of the House Republicans who voted for it, they, they could nitpick, they could identify things that they don't like. But the broader issue is, if you don't like the deal, then come to the negotiating table and provide some leadership. I think that's all we're really asking the, the president to do. Senator Vance visited the Rickenbacker Air National Guard base to talk about challenges workers face. And now to Senator Sherrod Brown, who made a stop in Columbus with a call to action in the fight against fentanyl. The Democrats stood next to the Franklin County Sheriff Dallas Baldwin to support the bipartisan Fend Off Fentanyl Act. That legislation would target foreign suppliers and drug traffickers. Franklin County fentanyl accounted for more than 85% of overdose deaths last year. Ohioans with me today are on the front lines of this crisis. Mental health workers see it. Officers deal with fentanyl in the, in the field. Uh, we know it's, it's uh, all hands on deck, uh, all, all approaches possible. Last year, the Drug Enforcement Administration seized over 379 million deadly doses of fentanyl, which is enough to supply a lethal dose to every American. Well, after the break, our coverage of AAPI Heritage Month wraps up this coming week. And today on Face the Say, take a walk through a garden that is growing a deeper understanding of culture and diversity. Columbus Perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors. Everyone knows you can have a lot of fun outside. But did you know that spending time outdoors is actually good for you? That's right. Spending time in the outdoors can have a positive impact on your body and your mind. Even 15 minutes outside a day can lower your stress and help you feel better. So get out there, visit an Ohio park, and thrive outside. Are you in crisis? Contact Ohio's Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Call, text, or chat 988. As much as we say we love nature, when it comes to bugs, eh, 
and not so much. When it comes to trees, the Ohio chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture wants you to know that most insects are not harmful to trees, especially if their populations are small. There are exceptions to that, but don't forget, every insect has a predator that's just looking to make it a meal. So sometimes it's just good to let nature take care of itself. If you're concerned about insects on your trees, find an ISA certified arborist near you at treesforohio.org. That's trees, the number four, ohio.org. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding, over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. When you're high, you feel different. You think different, you talk different, you draw different, you listen to music different, but you probably knew that. Problem is, you also drive different, and not in a good way. That's why driving high is illegal everywhere. So if you're high, just don't drive. Make a plan to get a sober ride. Because if you feel different, you drive different. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Angela Ann, courtesy of 10TV. This photo is not real. You might have seen this image circulating on social media of an explosion near the Pentagon. Experts say it was likely created using AI technology, artificial intelligence. And as AI becomes more mainstream, Verify's Ariane Dettil shows us how to spot the fakes. Creating AI-generated content is incredibly easy. Let me show you. If I want to create a picture of a blonde woman eating an ice cream cone in Times Square, I just type a prompt into an AI generation tool like Dolly, and about 60 seconds later, bam. Four relatively harmless fake images of blonde women enjoying a snack. But AI-generated content is being created just as easily to spread misinformation. Like this video with manipulated audio of President Biden appearing to reinstate the draft. The recommended way forward will be to invoke the Selective Service Act. He never said that. And if he had, it would have made national news. Instead, it was generated using AI technology. Using these sources, including Sui Lu, director of the UB Media Forensic Lab at SUNY Buffalo, I'll show you tips on how to spot AI-generated photos, videos, and texts so you can avoid sharing potentially harmful misinformation. Here's what to look for in fake video content. Movement. Is the subject moving? If you look here at this woman's neck, you can tell that her head is moving, but her body is static. Check to see if their body language and facial expressions appear odd or robotic. This is fake video claiming to show the New York District Attorney dropping charges against former President Donald Trump. The DA's mouth and audio are clearly out of sync. The New York District Attorney's Office, after an extensive thorough investigation, has decided to drop all charges against Donald Trump. Other places to look for clues that the content is fake? The background. In this new prompt, we asked for a man holding a bird in front of a sign that says no birds here. Check for numbers or letters in the background. Are they garbled? And the hands, are they misshapen? Are there too many or not enough fingers? When it comes to spotting AI-generated audio, our expert says one of his biggest concerns is impersonations. Reports of scammers pretending to be a family member in danger and in need of money are becoming more common. Somebody out there used an AI machine to trick my grandpa. To avoid falling for this type of scam, our expert shared a few tips. 
Tip one, listen for breaths. A real person takes breaths when they talk, between words and makes noises. No breaths means you're probably dealing with AI. Tip two, families should agree on a secret code or phrase that they use if they suspect the person on the other line isn't who they say they are. Tip three, hang up and call the person back who supposedly contacted you to confirm that it was actually them. Finally, there's AI-generated text. Our experts say it's the hardest to detect. So I'm going to use AI to write the next portion of my script. I'm prompting ChatGPT to write a TV news script that is three sentences or less, explaining why AI-generated text can be difficult to detect. So here goes. Experts warn that AI-generated text can seamlessly replicate grammar, context, and even emotional nuances, making it harder to identify red flags or distinguish real news from fabricated stories. The need for improved detection tools and critical thinking skills is becoming crucial to combat the growing threat of AI-generated misinformation. Not bad, eh? There are a few free tools that check for AI-generated text, like Undetectable AI Checker and Copy Leaks. Just drop in the text and click Check for AI. But experts say they're not 100% reliable, which we can verify. Both tools thought the AI generation portion of my script was actually written by a human. So next time you come across a piece of content that feels off, do a gut check. If it feels fake, our experts say it probably is. With your Verify, I'm Ariante Till. Or am I? Good question. Thanks, Ariane. What can we verify for you? Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or just email verify at 10tv.com. Bridging the cultural divide at a garden in rural Ohio, we have a rare look at Schnormeyer Gardens. Hey, this is Grace Gostet. I'm a singer-songwriter, and like many, I've been traumatized by years of bullying. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're gay. You're worthless. Bullying causes real harm and can result in severe long-term depression, anxiety, addiction, and even self-harm. I created the Black Box Project for anyone who has ever felt different for any reason. Go to theblackboxproject.org to help you take the first step to healing. You are not alone. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Between business life, social life, and her best bud, Loki, Beverly has a lot to focus on, especially while fighting Stargard, a blinding retinal disease. But she's not fighting alone. For 50 years, the Foundation Fighting Blindness has funded research into treatments and cures for blinding retinal diseases providing hope to people with vision loss. And for Beverly, winning the fight means focusing on what's closest to her. The Foundation Fighting Blindness. Together, we're winning. Help us end blinding diseases at fightingblindness.org. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Back to Angela and courtesy of 10TV. We are looking at the many contributions people in Ohio have made to Asian American Pacific Islander heritage. And we found it in a place you might not expect. Schnormeyer Gardens. People in Knox County know it well, but most people in central Ohio say they had no idea that there's a garden filled with Asian art and influence. 
These are the sights and sounds you would expect in a place like this. But Schnormeyer Gardens is not your ordinary landscape. So a guy from Iowa starts a window company, ends up in Ohio, and builds this beautiful Asian garden for the world to see. Is that your legacy? Well, it's, it looks like that's what it's going to be, and you know what? I don't think it's a bad thing at all. <laughs> bamboo. bamboo! Oh, we got lots of bamboo. Ted Schnormeyer gave us the garden variety tour, if you will, of how he created nine distinct gardens over 75 acres. There's the Chinese cup garden with a pavilion and a nod to the Han Dynasty. Ted and his late wife, Anne, thought of every detail, including a dragon gargoyle on each roof tip to ward off evil spirits. So here you can get another view, and wow. as opposed to the gardens, you're seeing the lake and the water and the reflection. And wow. Always a nice little breeze through here. The right? Japanese tea house in the Waterfalls Garden has the traditional four-and-a-half tatami mats and a tokobashira, a decorative tree trunk to bring natural elements inside. The cast bronze temple bell from Kyoto is just one of Ted's many pieces of Asian art. There's also this Japanese lantern on Swan Island, which you can only get to by crossing the red Chinese bridge decorated with hand-selected characters. Words like double happiness and good fortune line the path. You're, you're bridging cultures and heritage and with touch and feel and all the five senses. Exactly. Ted says a visit to Japan in the mid-1990s inspired the Schnormeyers to bring the Asian serenity home to Ohio, but it wasn't easy. There's tens of thousands of tons that we brought in from every place and, and placed them because this was all bare land, you have to understand. Every tree, rock, flower, trucked in and planted in a labor of love over nearly 30 years. And not to be missed, the Schnormeyer's home, which Ted considers the focal point of the garden. He says it was inspired by Frank Lloyd Wright, the renowned architect who also designed the new Imperial Hotel in Tokyo in 1923. This is really a testament to true love, too, between you and Anne. I'm glad it showed, <laughs> because no question, it was a partnership from day one. Do you have any ties to Asia in your family? Well, you know, I frequently get asked that, but uh, we're, we're pretty nearly 100% German, just as far back as you can find it. How do you think the gardens have taught people acceptance of other cultures? Well, I think it has opened their minds significantly and uh, it has just uh, expanded it because they have no idea of the Asian culture or the garden culture. If understanding other cultures feels anything like this, Ted hopes Schnormeyer Gardens will help people take that first step in the middle of Ohio. I could stay here forever. Mm. simply breathtaking. Schnormeyer Gardens is open only one time a year. And so we have images showing seasons like winter and fall, but the gardens are only open to visitors again for the month of June. We do have ticket information on 10tv.com. We do want to thank you for spending your Sunday with us here on Face the State.
That's again Angela Ann, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question, and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them. But I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. When severe weather strikes... Seconds count. Depend on the Doppler 10 weather team to keep you one step ahead. With the advanced warning you need. When things go from messy to dangerous. Tracking each threat down to the places you live. We're Grove City 408. Minute by minute on your TV and on your phone. With advanced warning when you need it most. So when skies turn dark. Here comes that line. Depend on the Doppler 10 weather team and Central Ohio's weather leader, 10 TV. This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and on the phone with me is Dr. Griffin Rogers, who is the director of the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us. Looking over some of the information here, uh, it looks like kidney disease is awfully serious, and a lot of people aren't aware of it. That's correct. Uh, Kidney disease, uh, in fact, in the state of Ohio, um, kidney, uh, the number of uh, people uh, in the state with kidney disease puts you in the 19th uh, out of all the states with the highest amount of chronic kidney disease. Uh, this is principally because there are more people in diabetes uh, with diabetes in the state. Um, that's 15th in the country, and you end up ranking 12th in the state for high, high blood pressure. Those are two major causes of kidney disease. And so it's a common condition. One in seven adults uh, are estimated to have chronic kidney disease. We want to raise awareness uh, of this often silent disease. And that's what I was going to ask. Apparently, uh, this progresses without any symptoms for the most part, right? That's right, yeah. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, people are totally unaware that they have uh, kidney disease. In fact, nine out of 10 uh, with mild chronic kidney disease are unaware, and two in five adults with severe kidney disease, that is, just before they uh, would require dialysis, uh, don't know that they have chronic kidney disease. That's why it's so important that if you have a risk factor for kidney disease, such as being over 60 or having a family history of kidney disease or having diabetes or high blood pressure, uh, that you ask your healthcare provider uh, to check you for the presence of, of kidney disease. And, and that's uh, quite simple. And of course, if you do have kidney disease, 
fetching it early is the best opportunity of keeping your kidneys uh, functioning well for a longer period of time. I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned that uh, a lot of Ohioans have high blood pressure. I think it's about one in three. And uh, so if you have moderately high blood pressure that is untreated, are you likely to end up with chronic kidney disease because of that? Or is it still most people manage to avoid it over the course of their lives? Yeah, well, if the blood pressure is well controlled with medications and lifestyle changes, such as diet and exercise, uh, one's chances of developing uh, kidney disease and having it progress will be greatly reduced. Um, But um, it's certainly still a a great idea to be tested uh, if you have a history of hypertension, because sometimes it takes uh, not one or two years, but it may take a decade before you begin to see evidence of, of hypertension affecting so-called end-stage organs like the heart and the kidney, for example. So it's not a, a foregone conclu- a conclusion, particularly if the, the blood pressure is well-controlled, um, but still it's better to know uh, early so that your healthcare provider can make modifications to slow the progression. Talking with Dr. Griffin Rogers with the National Institutes of Health. When symptoms do start showing up, what are they? Well, some of the symptoms associated with uh, kidney disease uh, belies its function. Kidneys, we have two of them, about the size of your fist. Uh, and they're there to, um, to maintain your, your fluid and electrolyte balance uh, in your body. And so when the kidneys uh, stop functioning very well, Fluid retention is one of the early signs, swelling of the ankles, the face, the hands, uh, uh, particularly uh, as the day progresses. Um, the kidneys are also very, very important and responsible for producing certain hormones that are necessary to maintain your, your blood count, uh, your red blood cell count, for example. And so uh, as the kidney disease progresses, those hormones uh, start to diminish, and subsequently one can become anemic. Signs of anemia are fatigue, uh, decreased exercise tolerance, for example, uh, and um, inability to function at a fairly high level. Kidneys also are important in regulating your uh, calcium uh, uh, metabolism, and so brittle bones becoming a little bit more brittle as the calcium leaches out of your, your bones, it's another sign of, uh, of kidney uh, disease. So I guess uh, if you are diagnosed, uh, it's uh, kind of on a scale of one to five uh, as far as the severity. And, and once you reach the point where you have symptoms, what kind of a prognosis do you get? Are you likely to go on dialysis soon or what happens? Well, again, the, uh, the good news is that um, even sort of moderately severe chronic kidney disease uh, can be managed uh, so that the rate of, of progression uh, getting you to dialysis uh, can be decreased. But again, diagnosing uh, presence of kidney disease early is really uh, what we want to stress. Um, most patients who have chronic kidney disease won't go on to develop uh, end-stage kidney disease, either requiring dialysis or a transplant. 
and so um, that's important to know. But managing these potential complications associated with kidney disease, as we just talked about, the anemia, the uh, fluid retention, and, and other facets uh, will have to be managed uh, by your uh, healthcare provider uh, in other ways. And I would think some of these cofactors, you know, like uh, diabetes, that that just complicates the whole matter. And you may not end up on dialysis, but maybe your diabetes begins to manifest itself even worse in you if you've got this additional condition. Yeah, certainly managing your diabetes, your high blood pressure, high cholesterol are all important facets of not only keeping your kidneys healthy as long as possible, but certainly it's also good for your overall health, including your heart health and your brain health. Uh, and uh, certainly, you know, we've really come a, a long ways in terms of having a, an array of, of medications uh, that's suitable and effective in managing all of those, uh, those complications. So let me ask you real quick before we wrap up here, what can folks do in addition to checking their blood pressure? Is there, can they be, should they be eating differently, uh, healthier? What, what should they do? Oh, yeah. Well, of course, you know, the sort of the three things we talk about are, uh, again, if you have high blood pressure or diabetes, making sure you're on a, on a plan to, to know what your numbers are and know what range uh, is optimal uh, that you and your health care provider discuss regularly. Of course, uh, making sure that um, your cholesterol is also uh, in a good range. Um, and, of course, if you smoke, that really uh, is something that you should try to uh, uh, stop uh, because that's really going to cause independent damage to your blood vessels uh, and further uh, exacerbate the kidney disease. Uh, in addition to that, I think you know, trying to exercise for most adults, getting in 30 minutes a day of, of moderate exercise like walking is a good idea and getting adequate amounts of sleep. Um, which is often ignored, but seven hours of sleep for adults is, uh, is what's uh, recommended. These are all facets that not only improve your kidney health, but your overall health as well. Is eating a lot of protein or, you know, being on like a low-carb, high-protein fat diet, is that bad for your kidneys? Well, you know, it depends upon uh, what your underlying kidney function and, and other uh, functions. There's no specific diet. Uh, that um, for uh, a healthy individual, uh, that would necessarily prevent them from developing uh, kidney disease. Uh, it depends upon the stage of kidney disease. Once diagnosed, your doctor uh, will uh, likely modify your diet, of course, decreasing the amount of salt uh, in your diet because, of course, that's associated with excessive fluid intake. It also increases uh, potentially your blood pressure. Uh, and, of course, carbohydrates and, and other proteins and your protein content will be determined, uh, uh, those recommendations, based upon, you know, other aspects of your condition, like if you have diabetes or if you have high, high cholesterol levels. Uh, so instead of sort of a one-size-fits-all, having discussions with your health care provider about, uh, determining what your specific goals are are really more important. So precision medicine or personalized medicine uh, is is what uh, you know, what we're talking about. Dr. Rogers, if folks want more information, can they find it online somewhere? 
can um, your listeners can visit our website at www.niddk.nih.gov uh, to learn more information about kidney disease uh, and uh, and end stage kidney disease. Great. Uh, Dr. Griffin Rogers, he's the director of the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. Thanks so much for your time and the information today. Thanks for your time and thanks for uh, sharing this important information with your listeners. Have a great day. This has been Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. Heard each Sunday morning at 6 on WBNS AM. That's 1460 ESPN Columbus. And Sunday morning at 7 on WBNS FM. Sports Radio 97.1 The Fan. Join us again next Sunday for Columbus Perspective.